Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. to this edition of Believe in Grizzlies. Today I have with me Joe Mullinex. Um, he hosts the Locked on Grizzly podcast and he's a writer for the new venture Bluff City Media. Hi Joe, how are you doing? Thank you for coming on with well. me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I've known you for a long time. We go uh, way, way back. Way, uh, way, so way it's... back. It's always good to talk Grizzlies with you. Somebody as uh, knowledgeable and as experienced as you. Um, yeah. It's it's great to have the opportunity. So thanks for having me. So I haven't done a podcast since the John Morant things went down. So as mm-hmm. you know, um, he went on Instagram live. Um, he was rapping to some music and he held up a gun. And then the next day, all hell broke loose. Well, yeah, I guess it was the same day, early that morning, all hell. Right, <laughs> later that day. <laughs> yeah, and um, he's been all over the news. He was away from the team, and we found out that um, he was away from the team for uh, two games. Then it was four games. Then we found out he was in counseling. And then yesterday, the league came down uh, with the eight-game suspension, and that's retroactively, you know, with the four games the six games he missed with the Grizzlies. So he's eligible to play Monday on the 20th um, against the Dallas Mavericks, but he might not play because he hasn't been playing basketball since um, March the 3rd. So it's been like a little two weeks thing or whatever. Um, And then there are those who don't like him per se, or don't buy that he was dealing with some kind of mental health issue, Mm -hmm. whether it's, he said he was stressed in his statement, you know, he released a statement saying he was stressed and he dealt with his stress wrong. And he, he wanted to get help. And he said he, you know, got help at this facility. And then he had the interview with Jalen Rose last night. Mm-hmm. And I saw you on Twitter this morning and I agree with everything you said. Okay, so like he said he needed help. He went to get help. He didn't have to do an interview with Jalen Rose, but he did. And then people will go on with like, well, that was too quick for him to come back. Okay, in a facility like that, you don't stay a long time. Right. Because someone could go to uh, you know, sometimes in a hospital you have a 48-hour hold. Then they may extend it to another 48-hour hole. They don't keep you a long time unless you send us to like a mental health facility where you have to stay a long length of time. Sure. So why do people think that people with money and fame don't experience these types of issues just because they got money and fame? They're human just like everybody else. Sure. And then it seems like money makes it even worse sometimes. It can. I I mean, it certainly can. And especially we have to keep the perspective of he's a 23 year old kid. Right. Like, I I don't need to get into your business, uh, but I I can tell you from my experience that I did lots of dumb things when I was 23 years old. Um, 
maybe not quite to that level just because I don't have $50,000 in $1 bills. But right. you know, if I did have $50,000 in $1 bills at the age of 23, I'm not sure what I would have done with them either, if that makes sense. And, and I think that in our society today, Shy, we struggle with empathy at times. Exactly. And I think that because someone has millions of dollars or because someone seems to have the world, and to Morant's credit, you mentioned the Jalen Rose interview. He said, to me, that was the most important piece, aside from understanding that he needs to have actions match words and all those sorts of things. He said that he understands what he has to lose now. Right. And, you know, at, at the base level, it could be his life, you know, not to get too overly serious, but flashing a gun on social media is not something that's wise to do in, in any circumstance. Uh, regardless of what city you're in. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole because we only have about 30 minutes or so for this podcast. And, you know, that's a whole tire, you know, on, uh, on an episode of Lockdown Grizzlies, I went off for 10 minutes about how the national media was irresponsible for that. Um, but, you know, regardless of the behaviors, which were bad, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think that it's important to point those things out. We're not trying to excuse what Morant did. No, but not at all. Going, going back to, Taylor Rooks in the interview that he did in 2021 talking about mental health. This is something that has been on the radar for job, maybe not as extensively as in the past, but it has been on the radar. And something that I think has kind of been skimmed over is this has been the first year uh, of John Morant's NBA career where they've had expectations, right? The rookie mm -hmm. year to his second year to obviously the third year that was so amazing, uh, the 2021-2022 season the chance to go to the second round and all those sorts of things, the Grizzlies have been on the up and up. And this was the first season where they were expected to be in the Western conference finals by a lot of people. They were expected to have John Morant take this next step as not just a basketball player, but as a leader. And he's still 23 years old. So I think that the pressure, the reality of all of the things that he's responsible for Nike shoes and power aid sponsorships and all these other parts of his life you know he is the guy that so many people are depending on and i don't know about you shy but just in my much smaller corner of the world knowing that i have people that depend on me like that stresses me out sometimes I, i'm not making generational wealth i'm not the face of a franchise or the face of a brand so uh, i i think my biggest thing coming out of all of this is empathy because some people have it and Others don't. And I do think that it, it shines a brighter light on the issues with coverage of mental health. Some people understand it and some people don't. I have an issue with selective mental health uh, being allowed to be a reason for something. It mm -hmm. seems like the, the, on one hand, somebody does something and they say that they need help mentally and they're like, oh, they're so brave. And then they're the same person two weeks later that gets a joke off on jaw talking about, you know, shooting up something with Sean Kemp, which again, we talk about misinformation. That was something that right. was blown out of proportion. Right. So the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is I have empathy for Ja. I have empathy for his family. I have empathy for the media people like you and I are, are like that, you know, where we have to cover these things and we have to discuss these things when we have these chances to. But at the same time, you have to do it responsibly. And exactly. I don't know that John Morant, who did not act responsibly in his own way, Two wrongs don't make a right. And reporting irresponsibly or giving your opinion irresponsibly about an irresponsible act only makes things worse all the way around. And then, like, for me, 
you know, I wrote a story about Ja in the Memphis Flyer. It was now under a Microsoft Moran's Next Steps Are Vital. So I talked about everything that happened. And then also, like, it's okay to chastise Ja, but also give him grace for the simple fact is we once was 23-year-old. I have a 23-year-old son right now. He just turned 23. And his maturity level is not there. He still has some growing to do. He don't have um, the million dollars as job. But like I tell people, and he's okay with me saying this, he can barely handle having $3,000 a month. What if he had millions? I'll be worried out of my mind. But I, me and my husband can counsel him. We can tell him. But sometimes, as my husband say, for some of our children, all of my children are grown, experience is the best teacher. You can tell somebody something all day long. But until they get it, they're not, I mean, they're going to do what they want to do. You know, things are going to happen, whatever. But I just think that this was a serious wake-up call for job. And he mm-hmm. knows now, him and his friends, as he said in the interview, he has everything to lose. Absolutely. Everything. And then it's just like, and then some people will like, he's using mental health as an excuse and all this and that. He's been talking about it since 2021. When he did right. that interview with Taylor Rooks, he spoke mm-hmm. about it when he did an interview with um, the Michael Cole back in September. And I think he Shout spoke about Michael Cole. Right. And then I think he spoke about it uh, recently on the Pivot uh, podcast. He spoke a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. He's been talking about it, but I think this is his first time really probably going to therapy where he just like, and then he was like going to the strip club or whatever was a stress reliever for him. And somebody told me today that that wasn't a stress reliever. Well, I know a lot of people said that going to strip club was a stress reliever. It might not be right, but for for some people, it is. Right. And we're not policing morality here. Exactly. I I, I might not want to go to the strip club or you may not want to go to the strip club, but that's not, you know, he didn't do anything illegal. There were no charges that were pressed on him. There was nothing from the police or anything like that you 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 can't be what's the best way to say this you can't be charged with the crime of stupidity exactly right and I, i'm not saying the jaw is stupid i'm saying what he did was stupid right. and if you you arrested people for doing stupid stuff there'd be a hell of a lot more people in prisons right so i think that that is something that gets lost in this is he made dumb choices he made bad mistakes and he has said that He's owned up to that. So now exactly. the key for him is going to be the follow through, right? Because you could say all sorts of things, but how you mm-hmm. actually act, how you carry and conduct yourself moving forward. You know, if you're going to do all these things and then a month later, you're back to talking about how hollow points, you can find out how they feel for free on Twitter. You know, that, that's not the best look in terms of changing the behavior. I think that he is getting a hard lesson financially mm-hmm. shy there's a very real chance he just cost himself 40 million dollars because there's a lot of good basketball players in the nba and there's a lot mm-hmm. of good guards in particular and if you're somebody that's choosing all nba and john morant just got suspended for eight games meanwhile sga shy gilgis alexander and De'Aaron fox and steph curry 
and all these other guys are, are balling out, you know, you could logically argue to keep him off and right. that would hurt his supermax. He would have, he would not make the 200 plus million supermax at that point. It would just be the 191 million. And it sounds silly to say just the 191, but the reality is that's $40 million that he would be costing himself. So it, it might hurt him in his pocketbook. And I, I know, you know, this as an adult and I know it too. Sometimes that's the best way to get through the people is to, to hit them where it hurts in the pocketbook. And then uh, I'm going to go back to Adam Silver's statement yesterday when he handed down the suspension. He mm-hmm. says Josh's conduct was irresponsible, reckless, and potentially very dangerous. It also has serious consequences when given his enormous following and influence, particularly among young fans who look up to him. And so Josh spoke about that, uh, about being a role model on the Jalen Rose podcast. And he also spoke about, you know, people who dealing with stress and anxiety where they shouldn't be afraid or shouldn't be deemed as weak if they get therapy. So why do you think it is therapy is really a taboo for a lot of people as we see on social media? Well, John didn't need therapy. He didn't need this or that. And then let's talk about how people thinking that it's just what's the 10 days. Right. but how therapy counseling can be ongoing. Oh, it's definitely ongoing. I mean, I think you alluded to it earlier in the show. You, If people waited until they were perfectly 100% recovered from a mental trauma or anxiety or whatever it might be, they would maybe never come out of treatment, right? So there has to be some form of continuous ongoing things it's not like a drug rehab center, right? And I mm-hmm. think that might have been part of the confusion too, because there were, again, we talked about misinformation earlier. Some people saying he was in rehab, he's addicted to alcohol, all these sorts of things, which it, that doesn't turn out to be true. But when you think drug rehabilitation, usually you are there for 30 days or 60 days. Mm-hmm. Again, with mental health, it, it's a different situation. And this was, Jaw himself said, it was about better strategies for handling his stress, his anxiety, like you mentioned a moment ago. So I think sometimes the wires get crossed with what exactly he was doing. Um, I think that the the taboo of mental health is a really difficult question because I'll be honest, Shai, I feel that, you know, again, on a much smaller scale, you know, I grew up in athletics. I played college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, have made sports a major part of my life. And there is a very hyper-driven definition of masculinity that I was raised on in a lot of ways, and it's nobody's fault. It's just kind of society, you know, what it's okay for a man to say or do, you know, you don't just say, I don't feel good today. I'm going to, you know, focus on my mental health. You that's, that's soft. That's weak. Mm -hmm. You grind through it. You push through it. You bury that down deep and you keep doing what you need to do. That is how I was raised in sports. And I'm guessing that John Morant was raised that way as well. So I, again, we talked about empathy earlier. I can relate to the idea of not wanting to talk about it when I have those issues, because I, I feel those pressures. Like it's not me saying that it's okay to not be okay. It's me saying it's not okay. I need to get over it. I need to push forward. And you know that's a very outdated way of thinking about it. I'm not trying to say that's the right way to look at it. I'm trying to say that I can relate to job being in a position to say that, you know, it's not something that you're supposed to talk about, or, you know, he's not comfortable, you know, thinking that he needs to stop. He's trying to find other ways that he can keep the pace that he was going at. 
and still do what he needed to do professionally and for his family. And it got out of control and he, and he lost that pace and he lost his way. And I, again, varying degrees, I can relate to that. And it, it's an issue that continues to happen in our society. I can only speak from my experience. All you can do is be willing to have the conversation because there's a lot of folks that would agree with the idea that, you know, not necessarily using mental health as a cover for bad behavior, but the overall specter of mental health being a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to openly admit that you're weak, especially in a hyper-masculine place like sports. And I was never a professional athlete, but I can only imagine to get to the highest levels of your sport where people are willing to give you millions of dollars to do it, you have to have some level of alpha male masculinity that, again, what that meant in 20, uh, 2013 even means something a lot different in 2023. And we're all trying to kind of play catch up with how that relates to males and how they accept and hold on to things like anxiety and stress and other triggers of mental health problems. And I think it's good that uh, Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan came out to talk yep. about their mental health. And I think that's giving other players the avenue of, you know, so they can talk about it as well. Some still won't talk about it. And then mm -hmm. maybe, you know, Ja can be an influence to those people, others to talk about it. Sure. You know, and then like a lot of people follow him, they're following what's going on. People are offering offering advice, things to that nature, good advice, bad advice, whatever. So let's get to the right. Grizzlies. Um, you know, they have been playing mm, okay since job been out. Um they lost the, the, the game to the Clippers, mm -hmm. they lost to the Lakers. And I'm I'm am I saying this in order? Uh, uh I, they they lost to the Clippers. First, they Denver lost to the Lakers. Yeah, Clippers, Lakers, and they won three in a row. row. And then they lost last night. Dallas. Yeah, so they are currently without John Morant. They are three and three. Three and three without John Morant. So I think that's pretty good. Then they got San Antonio on Friday. Then they have Golden State um, Warriors on Saturday. Then Monday mm -hmm. they have the Dallas Mavericks. And I think Ja probably will be back with the team unless he's, you know, still taking time off. He'll be back with the team, but he might not play because he has to get reconditioned or anything. And so what do you think the Grizzlies need to do to stay afloat until Ja comes back? Um, last night, um, we can, you know, do like Will Smith did in uh, Men in Black and just, you know, hit that, click that, what, what they used to call that thing, the synthesizer uh, uh i forgot nebulizer? whatever Nebula, it is nebulizer, something like that yeah, yeah some a synthesizer or something we could yeah. just blink in and just forget about last yeah. night because that that was yeah okay yeah and well then, hopefully it, in terms of the the lessons right i, I think john needs to hold on to those and i don't think that's what you meant you're talking no about no the i'm talking about the, the the grizzlies from last night right. um against, oh, against the miami, miami. Heat. Gotcha. The miami i understand heat. yep okay <laughs> Yeah, that's what I I'm talking about. I would like about. to forget that too. I would like yeah. to forget that as well. Yeah, yeah, we can do that and forget about how they performed last night against the Miami Heat. But the Miami Heat got a good defense and everything. Yeah. And then, like, I mean, the starters didn't play in the fourth quarter. You know, you know, they they just need to get it out of there healthy. And you know, since Desmond Bain, I, yeah. what do you think about that flagrant too? 
I thought they, they called on him on. Um, I mean, his arm went into the groin of Kevin Love because of a foul that wasn't called. So right. he, he didn't really have control over that. I don't even really, the, the officiating left a lot to be desired. It wasn't the reason the Grizzlies lost. You know, right. lose by 19 because of the refs. Uh, but it, it was not great. I think Shy, um, it was smart, in my opinion, to kind of wave the white flag early in that game because mm-hmm. Memphis has three games in four nights coming up. They play San Antonio, as you mentioned, Friday. Then they have the Warriors Saturday and a back-to-back at home thankfully, because the Warriors are one of the worst teams. teams in the NBA. So that should be a win in theory against Golden State. And then Monday, they play Dallas again. And as you alluded to, John Morant will be eligible to return to the Grizzlies on Monday. But that's the first day he's allowed back in the team facility. So mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm fairly confident he's not going to play. And I think Taylor Jenkins and others have said that as well. Um I think we'll see jaw either Wednesday or Friday against Houston. That kind of mm-hmm. lines up nicely as a return for him. Um, even after being out for a couple of weeks, he could probably hang 50 on Houston. No disrespect to the Rockets. They're just not very good this year. My biggest thing coming out of this jawless stretch, you mentioned Desmond Bain. He and DeMichael Cole and I have talked about this on Lockdown Grizzlies a lot. He has done a pretty impressive job. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's not the athlete that Morant is but he can replicate the production of Morant in the aggregate. And he's done a good job of being a better rebounder, being a better facilitator, having assists. You know, there's been games where he's put up nine, seven, eight assists. His average in that area has gone up since Morant has been out. He's been asked to do more of that kind of work and he's shown that he's capable of doing so. So again, we, we forget, or at least I forget that this is a Grizzlies team that's still extremely young in terms of where they are developmentally mm-hmm. they have they have yet to make a championship contender trade you know Luke Kennard which is an entirely other different topic um, while he's an elite three-point shooter that's not something that you go and you say up oh, the Grizzlies are serious about contending they tried to get Kevin Durant and they tried to get Mikhail Bridges those would have been trades to say wow Memphis wants a championship now but they're still in a position where they have assets they can still be flexible they haven't fully gone all in yet if they can get through this stretch, again, they're three and three without Morant right now. Say they beat San Antonio on the road, excuse me, say they beat Golden State at home, that has them at five and three and eight games without Jaw going into a Dallas home game, which, you know, assuming Luca's back and Kyrie's back, that won't be easy. But again, it's a home game. Memphis is one of the better home teams in the NBA. That would guarantee them, assuming Morant comes back that Wednesday against the Rockets, which I, I think he will, uh, that would basically guarantee them a winning record without Jaw, and that would be massively important because it's not just Jaw that they're down, right? Mm-hmm. Steven Adams is out until roughly the start of the playoffs. Brandon Clark is out for, the for much of, not for this season, season and then for much of next season next, next as well. Season. So they are down multiple key contributors. Jaw Morant gets the headlines, but Adams and Clark are pretty significant too. So for them to go five and three or five and four, even during Mm -hmm. a stretch where they don't have Morant, it would be a massive win as they just try to hold serve with the red hot Sacramento Kings to hold on to that two seed. So I think that we we learned that Desmond Bain is capable of being a high level player on a night in night out basis. I think that we saw that Tyus Jones and I've written about this over at Bluff City Media. Tyus Jones is an excellent starter in the NBA or a very Mm -hmm. good starter in the NBA. His reserve numbers don't really back that up. So I, I wish there was a way that Tyus and Jaw could start together. Unfortunately, there really isn't. 
Right. So that will lead to some decisions this summer, but it just drove home the point that Tyus is a much better actual starter than he is a bench player for the Grizzlies. And, you know, John Morant's return is going to be an energy boost. It's going to be a, a shot of life for this team. Because again, that, that road trip, I've seen Chris Harrington say it of the Daily Memphian. I've said it. That was the worst road trip in franchise history. Uh, right, because of everything that went down. Everything I mean, that happened. You know, the fact that they went one and three, that's, you know, that's not great. But between Morant and the injury to Clark and obviously Adams, I believe the update on him happened during the road trip. And then Dylan saw, Brooks, the one game suspension for the 16 So just to have a, a bit of positivity. And to, again, because when he comes back at home, Memphis is going to love him. There ain't going to be any booze for John Morant in FedEx form. They're going to share shower him with love. And, and that's going to be a really good positive moment. And that's a strength of the city of Memphis. When, when one of their own kind of gets knocked down, the, the, the city is very good at trying to pick them up. And Morant has been adopted as a son uh, by the city of Memphis. And I think that that's going to be a really powerful moment when he does return. Like I said, probably I would bet on Wednesday, the 22nd. Uh, because he'll get a couple of days to ramp up. He may not play very many minutes against Houston that game. Uh, maybe he's back to his full tilt around Friday or Sunday. But it, it, it makes a lot of sense to have him come back in that Houston miniseries because the Rockets are so bad, to be honest with you. Uh, he can knock off a little bit of rust, and, and the Grizzlies would still be in a place to win both of those games because they're both at home. Right. And um, I don't think they should take the Rockets lightly because didn't they just no. beat the Lakers? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yes, because the Lakers, you know, the Lakers have been winning, you know, without LeBron. They've been doing mm -hmm. really good, but yeah, they, I don't, I don't, did Anthony Davis play that game? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think that's a game that they sat him, even though he didn't want to get sat. So, yeah. And uh, again, but you're right. Actually, They're full of professional basketball players, right? Right. Like it's not like college basketball where you say, oh, this team has two NBA guys or this team has one NBA guy. Well, the Houston Rockets have 15 NBA guys. So. Right. They they could certainly give the Grizzlies trouble. Okay, and I wanted to ask you this: um, like Jaron Jackson Jr., mm -hmm. I think he is the key for if the Grizzlies are going to win playoff series and possibly go to the Western Conference Finals, because you know Jaw's going to get his, Desmond. Mm -hmm. He's going to get his. But I think Jaron is the key. If they could get him to stay on the floor um, without getting into foul trouble, because, like, last night against the Heat, he was on on one last night. He sure. almost got his double-double. And then, like, you know, they stopped going to him. And then, like, because, like, the Heat, they were preventing him from getting the ball. Um, several, 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 several times, but I think sure. he's the key. And I don't know, cause sometimes he, they don't pass him the ball. I don't know if he should be more demanding of the ball, but I know that's probably not his personality, but right. like, imagine if he was a dog like Zebo or something, <laughs> but I know he's not that, but right. when he, when he gets in his mind that he's really good, he's that good, he's going to be hard to deal with he on is. a night, nightly basis. On Because to me, I think he's the most important player on this team because yeah. he can go offensively, and we know the juggernaut he is defensively. He can do right. both. 
And then until he realizes this, wow, it's it's going to be amazing. He is the best two-way player on the team. That's not even a question anymore. That's very clear. And there are times where you would like Sharon to be more aggressive. Um, he's gotten better at that. Right. He did a lot of, he did a lot of, excuse me, he did a lot of back to the basket things in the last couple of games that the Grizzlies have played. And, and that's been promising, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want that to be the the only part of his game because it's 2023 and, and those types of guys are, are dead. Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic are kind of the closest to that, but at the same time, they're not really at the same level. They can do a lot of different things. And that's just a part of their Rolodex of skills. And Jaron, is getting to that place as well. He is a consistent mismatch. Mm-hmm. You put a traditional five on him, he's too big, he'll blow right past him. If you put a you know a four or stretch four, a, a bigger forward, but not quite a center on Jaron, Jaron's bigger than them at 6'11", 240 some pounds. He'll just dominate them on the block like he's done the last couple of games, get to the rim at will. And like you said, it's almost like he's learning that. He's figuring that out. I don't know if he defers to Ja because Morant is the superstar. I don't know if he's been told by the coaching staff, Taylor Jenkins and others, that he should just prioritize the defensive end and get his offense where he can. Uh, You know, Taylor Jenkins, when he first got the job, compared Jaron Jackson Jr. to Giannis Mm of the Milwaukee Bucks, because Jenkins obviously has the connection to the Bucks through his Mm -hmm. time with Budenholzer, the head coach there. And that obviously isn't entirely true. Giannis is the best physical basketball player on the planet. And mm-hmm. Jaron is not at that level yet. But in terms of what he's physically capable of doing compared with Giannis, Giannis is probably a little bit more athletic, but Jaron has a better three-point shot. Mm-hmm. So if Jaron can get into that ballpark of Giannis light or Giannis zero, however you want to describe him, um, where he's not Giannis, but he is able to have a comparable impact alongside Desmond Bain, alongside John Morant, Regardless of who the other 12 guys are next to Ja, Jaron, and Bain, right. the, the Grizzlies are a title contender for the next half decade because there's nobody that can touch those top three. Or there's very few teams that can touch that top three when they're clicking. And, and the key is Jaron. Again, I think Bain has proven to be a pretty steady hand. We know mm-hmm. what John Morant is capable of when he's on. And I think, you, you know, you, you will, hell hath no fury like a motivated John Morant. And I think he's definitely going to be motivated when he returns next week. It's on Jaron. I think you're exactly right. It's on him to really kind of dictate what the ceiling of this team is, you know, maybe not necessarily this season, because again, they're without Brandon Clark, Steven Adams is coming back late. It it seems kind of up against the wall at this point, but to the Grizzlies credit, as you know, covering the team, as long as you have, that's kind of Memphis's bag, right? (laughs) We, We work better in that underdog role. And, and I think Jaron and company are going to have that even once Jaw and eventually Steven Adams come back because of all that has transpired this season. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to come down to Jaron Jackson Jr. helping raise that ceiling a little bit higher, not just this year. But, moving but I think I, I know I just think sometimes. He needs to just say, give me a damn ball or throw it to the hand, one of them. And I, I know that's <laughs> not him, but I would love to see it. Give me sure. the damn ball. <laughs> Give me the ball. Especially when he's got a six foot seven guy on him. Right. And then when... he ha- got somebody on the basket. I want mm-hmm. him to say, Give me the damn ball. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you just a little bit you... more aggressiveness on the offensive end because he has that defensively. Right. Applying it in another area. 
Yeah, yeah, just give, give me the ball. Give me right. the ball. I need the ball right now. Because Absolutely. you hear Pete and Brevin saying, Jaron just had somebody on the basket. You know, you have to use him. He's a walking mismatch nightly. And then it's just like, you know, it's just like, like you said, he's been better at it this season. Because like last season, it seemed like he was, you know, settling for threes. But this mm-hmm. season, he's just been so much better at it. And, you know, and then like he did, his defense was the reason why, you know, he made his first all-star and then he's like the front runner for defensive player of the year because he is their anchor of the defense. But I want him to be more of an offensive minded, but cause I know it's not just about offense, but I want him to do both. He can excel at both. Absolutely. There, there's no reason why he can't. And he's proven that multiple times. So greater expansion of responsibility would be something that would be great to see. Well, Joe, thank you for coming on with me. We had a really nice conversation and I love your Locked on Grizzlies and um, it's good that you guys doing the Bluff City Media thing. I wish you guys nothing but success and you have always supported me and I will continue to support you guys. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Uh, We we have to help each other out. I've got your back and I appreciate you having mine. Thank you. All right. Okay. Thank you for coming on. Holla. of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com it's like your own personal post office sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts that's stamps.com code program